Hey, Jim. Welcome to Drinking with Jen, if it's your first time. And if you're coming back, welcome back. I have another incredible guest here with us today, Dr. Alina Kastner, joining us all the way from Vienna, Austria. So really tapping into our global network here. She is a systemic psychotherapist, and she's going to explain exactly what that means. But she works in so many different areas, individual therapy, diplomat or expat therapy, couples therapy, which she's very passionate about family therapy, you guessed it, narcissism and narcissistic abuse, which is how I discovered her. She also does sexual therapy, fertility, equine therapy, which we're going to touch on for our horse lovers today. Um, And just like her credentials and her experience is so vast. I'm going to link her website. She is compassionate. She is knowledgeable. She is Gorgeous. So wait until you see the video that comes up. Um, and just so kind and empathetic. We're really going to dive into narcissist abuse recovery. So if you've ever wondered, what's the big deal? She's going to help you understand what the big deal is. She's going to give us some tips on maybe what's helpful to say or do and what's not so helpful to say to people that are victims of narcissist abuse or are recovering from a narcissistic relationship. She's going to talk to us about the healing process, some red flags and signs and different types of narcissistic relationships, because this isn't just limited to romantic relationships. But we will certainly touch on that. She's going to talk about complex PTSD and just really dive in and give us a better understanding of what this experience is like for people that go through it and really just give some really helpful perspectives. So with that, I am going to let you enjoy this conversation and I hope that you pick up some really great, useful tips and helpful information. Dr. Alina Kastner, all the way from Vienna, Austria, is here with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I have actually a funny story to tell you. So for if you're new here, um, I have what I call two bonus kiddos that came from my narcissistic, predatory, sociopathic, abusive relationship that I was in, but we have stayed in each other's lives. And we I'm also very close with their mother. And so we every year celebrate Christmas together. And we did that last night. And they are always really intrigued. They're at the, they're at ages, which I don't say how old they are, their names or their genders. I'm very protective of their identities. But they always are super curious and excited to ask me questions about the podcast. And I think it just is partly to do with their ages. And they said, how do you get guests? So they were like, who, like one of their questions last night was like, who are your top three favorite guests that you've had? And so their mom and I were talking about some of the guests and I was like, I'll tell you the one I'm recording with tomorrow is going to be incredible. (laughs) And they're like, well, how do you get these guests? And I told them, I was like, well, the one tomorrow She went viral on TikTok and they're like lucky. And (laughs) then I said, and I just reached out. I said, she came across my feed and I reached out and luckily she said yes. So here we are today and it's just so fun how things kind of happen like that. It's a very cute story. (laughs) Yeah, they're so sweet. Now, we always start every episode of drinking with gin with what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking a cold brew because it's morning here. We had to coordinate our schedules because we're halfway across the world from each other. What are you drinking? 
I'm not drinking gin. I'm drinking water. <laughs> Perfect. So we've got, that's okay. Coffee and water today. So um, whatever you're drinking, Jim, as you listen along to today's episode, I hope that you enjoy it. Now, I reached out to you because of your viral TikToks and your passion and compassion for narcissist abuse victims and the way that you eloquently and empathetically and in a fun way sometimes too share your content is really inspiring and empowering. And so when I saw kind of your content and I started looking up, okay, who is this woman? I need to know her. I need to have her on the podcast. I need to be friends with her. And I saw that you're a psychotherapist. So let's start there. Like what the heck is a psychotherapist anyway? So um, in Austria, we call it psychotherapist. In the US, I think you guys call it counselor. It's kind of a similarity there. Um, what we do is we have psychologists that study psychology and then you're a psychologist. And then we have psychotherapy, which is a whole nother thing that takes about six to seven years. So you have two years of basic like college um, training, and then you have three to five years specialization training. Now, what does that mean? The specialization is which type of school of psychotherapy that you do. And in Austria, because we are like the land of psychotherapy, we have 24 different schools. But um, in the rest of the world, I would say like Germany, Europe, there's only three predominant ones, which is analysis from Freud, like the psychoanalysis, you've got behavioral, and then you have systemic therapy. And I chose the systemic therapy. So one of the three basic ones. And yeah, that's it. So it's about six years of, of um, school. And then you have to do like 600 hours of therapy with clients and all these things to get your certification. So it's a long road, but it's worth it. Oh my gosh, that is so much education. You're like, that's it. Just, you know, six, seven years of schooling and then all the hours. I uh, There are some psychotherapists here. I actually had a psychotherapist on earlier in season one on the podcast, and we talked about post-traumatic growth, which we may touch on here a little bit today too. Um, one of the things that, was, that really resonated with me um, that you talked about on one of your TikToks is... And I think this is something that's really misunderstood unless you have been a victim of narcissist abuse is the actual toll that it really can take on you and the mental, the emotional recovery that it takes. And you you explain how there's different types of PTSD and why narcissistic abuse is so difficult. Now, I actually had a guest earlier in season two, um, I think it was maybe two, three, four episodes ago. And she said that she also was actually a victim of my actual same guy. She was okay. dating him while like dating him. This episode. Yeah. While he was living in my house. And wow. earlier, 16 years ago, her husband suddenly died at 31 years old and left her widowed with a 10 month old baby. And she yeah. said that recovering from Chad, quote unquote, Chad and narcissist abuse was way harder than healing from losing her husband. Can you give a little bit of insight into why narcissist abuse is so difficult to recover from? Yes. So that story is really heart wrenching already. Um, and especially if she's gone through both at the same time. Um, wow. 
respect to her is she okay now she's incredible here's what's so weird is we both are speakers authors her and i have so much in common we have become friends and like support systems for each other in this industry because i was newer to it she's a wonderful human being like it's really delightful to be connected to somebody like her okay great I'm, i'm glad she's okay um no i think that um if people haven't been through it themselves, uh, they do not understand the gravity of this type of abuse. Um, I think it's haunting for several reasons. Uh, first of all, narcissists make sure that they have this intense emotional and sexual bond that they form with you, that leaving this bond is so much more difficult than leaving a healthy relationship bond, right? Because it's much more intense. It has this sort of roller coaster up and down in the cycles of the what I call re um, intermittent reinforcement, where you know, they had their mean, and then they're sweet, and then they're mean, and they're sweet, which um, gets you to trauma bond with them. So trauma bonding, you know, already what that is, it's a survival technique, right, trying to get closer to your abuser because they're so awful to you and every time they do something nice you feel like you're rekindling oh my gosh it's okay you know they're not that bad and you're trying to tell yourself that they are okay even though they're not um that's one thing so trauma bonds are extremely strong just chemically in the brain uh, the other reason is cognitive dissonance, which is also sort of similar. It's I call it the difference between what the heart says and what the head says and the space in between. Yeah. So your head is telling you, you need to get out of this relationship, but your heart is stuck on it. And why it's stuck on it and you can't leave is because this person literally made you reliant um, upon their approval. So they take, they give you everything when they love bomb you and you feel like this is incredible. This is the most intense bond I've ever felt. And then they take it away, you know, step by step. And every time you feel like you need them to be okay again, you need their approval, you need their attention, you need those things. And that whole cycle that usually takes a couple of months to a couple of years, however long it takes. Actually, that's not really relevant how long it takes. I think what's relevant is that it takes so much longer to heal from than normal relationships because of um, that lost self-trust and the self-efficacy. And I think this is a huge part of narcissistic relationships because you feel like you can no longer trust your instincts. You feel like you can no longer trust yourself with what you're doing because you keep staying you keep going back so this whole blame cycle that you have going on with yourself is also something that doesn't just end when the relationship ends it keeps you sort of entangled does that make sense that makes so much sense um actually it's funny i just recorded a reel right before we started recording about the old adage of time heals all wounds. And I love that you were like, no, it doesn't. Like, that is not true. I actually was like, imagine if you hired a therapist and you went in and you sat on the couch and they're like, you just need time. We'll just sit here and wait until you're better. And yeah, that's, no. that's but, not. No, that's not, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's not how it works because you are trying, like you with them, you're trying to explain the inexplicable, you know? Yes. You're trying to make sense of it and, I think the worst part is also actually, I forgot this, that the person you thought you loved wasn't real. Okay, that was the biggest mind twist for me was, and I think that's partly what what made so much sense in what you were saying is 
when you finally get out of it and it, and from the outside, it might look like it makes a lot of sense. Like, why is she doing these things? Or why is he doing these things? Like, it's so clear from the outside. But when you're in it, the amount of mental and emotional confusion that they create, and they want to keep you in that confusion state. And then that's when you start to question yourself, your instincts, and you start to question reality. And that was the thing for me is like, here, I was living this life that wasn't even real. And, and it wasn't even just, you know, that involvement, you know, I mentioned the kids and it's the, it really shakes you to your core. hundred percent to your bones when their masks fall off. Yes. But when the masks fall off and you see them for who they really are, you can't unsee it. It's really one of the most gratifying parts of it when you do actually finally see them for who they are, because then you can start to put the pieces together and gather that information and insight and perspective and reflection to truly understand the situation so you can begin that healing process. Exactly. And then you no longer want to go back because you see what they really are and you just are appalled actually by what's left yes that is such a great word appalled and it's really hard i think the hardest thing is when you see them continue you know in my situation i've had countless women reach out to me that have also been victims of the same person and now i see um i think he's had to actually go out of state now um he's now dating a girl that's like 20 years younger than him in my old industry in texas and I just, it's like my heart goes out to her. I don't feel like I can reach out to her. I wish somebody would, um, but it's it's so hard to see. And it's like, oh, he is not who he portrays. He's not who you think he is. And, you know, you want to, you want to like kind of warn everybody. And at the same time, sometimes people want to or need to learn it on their own and on their own time. But there's a beautiful country song that's called next girl i don't remember the artist but it's called next girl and she's singing it like hey you're gonna be the next girl because i was the next girl next girl is, is really good we have to um find the artist at the end of the podcast i will i'll look it up and if i can find the song i'll put a link to it um in the show notes so that people can listen to it because I, I love that like music is such a great thing like lyrical and you know to to connect to it I actually have an anti-narcissist playlist that I um I give out to my clients. And you I have do? To, yeah. And it, there's two songs on it that are called Narcissist, and they're amazing. Honestly, they describe the whole shebang perfectly. It's really good. I know there's a song, I think it's by Halsey, that I, that I was like, ooh, this is really good. Um, I think that's one of them. If you share it with me, can I share it with the gems and put it in oh, the show notes course, okay yeah. that'd be great helpful because i heal through music i don't know if you do that but it just I'm, helps so much so my dad passed away almost three years ago to be three years in february on valentine's day and he was my guy and my dad loved music he was a great singer and he loved like the oldies so i grew up listening to like the oldies like music from the 50s and 60s <laughs> and then also like pop and, and everything. So I've always just like felt really connected to music and I think it can be really healing. And I love to hear that from a psychotherapist that, you know, tapping into that, right. And like tapping into your emotions and then 
seeing how that hits you. And I always like to talk about, you talked about cognitive dissonance. I also like to talk about cognitive diffusion where you pay attention to and allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. But if those feelings are negative, then you start to think about how do I make the shift into feeling how I want to feel? And I think that's a really big part of the healing process too. 100%. Okay, so something else that I've seen you explain that I had never seen before. And so I really wanted to dig into this. You talk about, we've all heard of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. But you explain it in a way, and I think this will help give a little bit more insight into the gravity of narcissist abuse and healing from it, CPTSD. Can you explain what is that and what does that look like and and why are we just hearing about it now or why am I just hearing about it now? <laughs> okay, so this is new to you. Okay, so um, I actually wrote my dissertation about narcissistic victim syndrome. So I call that N- um, NVS and that's something that exists and how it should be part of the DSM-6 or the ICD-11, which are the diagnostic manuals for mental health conditions um, in the US and in Europe. Um, and I made a case for it that NVS is extremely like basically is the same thing as CPTSD and should be in those manuals because they are, it is not. And I don't understand why it's not because it's such a big thing. Right. So um, what's different about complex post-traumatic stress disorder in um, opposition to the regular PTSD is regular PTSD, you have an exposure to a traumatic event. But with CPTSD, you have the persistent re-experiencing of that traumatic event. In our case, with narcissists, you have the intermittent reinforcement, the mean and sweet cycle that you continuously live through over and over and over and over again. And if you live through that, you also have the persistence avoidance, which is sort of every time you go through this, you have to numb your emotions a little bit and numb your emotions a little bit more in order to sort of fit your narcissist in order to play along, right? You have to like ignore your own feelings, ignore your own instincts and sort of um, continue to to continue the relationship. And that's where the trauma bonding cognitive dissonance comes in. Um, the major difference um, between CPTSD and PTSD symptom, on, a, on a symptom um, level is that you have the effect dysregulation on a CPTSD, which is when victims no longer are able to regulate their emotions uh, because you just have like anger bursts or you know think or you start crying in the middle of the parking lot when you're grocery shopping you just you break out basically um, because you can't control them anymore and then you have what i mentioned earlier the negative self-concept so like how you see yourself and how you're constantly going back which makes that um, lack of self-efficacy so you feel like you can no longer trust your instincts to do what's right for you. You can no longer have boundaries or firm boundaries and protect yourself because you are part of the problem. You are the problem. Does that make sense? So like this is what they distorted self-image um, that kills your confidence and kills your self-esteem <clears throat> because you constantly are blaming yourself for not leaving. Um, makes yeah. perfect sense. And and this is like what I really want to convey in this episode is with your expertise to help people that haven't experienced narcissistic abuse to give to gain a little bit better understanding. I think you do such an, a beautiful job of explaining that. So PTSD, 
like traditional, we'll just call it traditional PTSD might be from one big major event, but narcissist abuse is still PTSD, but it's the compilation and the accumulation of a bunch of traumatic events over and over. Again. that happen over and over over time okay because i think that's just it like i always am very careful about um trauma isn't a scale right like there yes there are different types of traumatic events but it can be different for different people and so there's this whole thing where oftentimes people are like oh it's just a breakup get over it or you know it's you know you stop being friends with that person get over it but the compilation and the accumulation of that abuse can be really traumatic. And then, you know, removing them from your life, that's a whole nother piece. That's a whole nother piece. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and you and I have had, um, so maybe let's, let me shift gears there for a second. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting, um, you know, for me, my own journey, and, and you and I have talked offline in, you know, in preparation for our conversation today. And so for me, I realized that I allowed Chad into my life because I grew up with narcissistic abuse. And so it was familiar to me. I have a narcissistic mother who I, um, it's been almost exactly two years. It was uh, December 26th. So we're coming up on exactly two years where I did, I went no contact. And then even le- it was just earlier this year where I had to, or was it last year? I think I had to block her. And then she still had one of her friends reach out to me and ask me for, you know, just a cool $15,000 so she could pay off some debt after I stopped talking to her. But then I also realized that one of my closest friends, you know, is also extremely abusive. It was almost like once I became aware of it, I realized that some of the closest people in my life, that's what I was choosing, not because it was good for me, but because it was familiar. And sometimes there's comfort in that familiarity, but I had to start, you know, making some changes and cleaning up my community, cleaning up house a little bit. And um, I, again, I think that sometimes people don't understand. And yes, narcissists oftentimes are hurt people and hurt people hurt people. But it's not an excuse, especially when you are the victim of that abuse. I think that there are certain things that people can say to you that can be even more hurtful. And then there are certain things that people say to you that can be helpful. So I have a friend that I had to gray rock out of my life. She was extremely abusive. Um, In fact, a bunch of us ended up gray rocking her out of our lives and completely eliminating her. And now we've all become close. Maybe it was a little bit of a trauma bond in the beginning, but like really it's, we actually thank her for introducing us to each other because they brought some really great people into our lives. Um, but another mutual friend of mine will be like, well, I just feel really bad for her. And it's, that's really jarring to hear as someone, as the person, as one of the people that she abused. And I've asked this friend, like, please stop saying that to me. Please stop saying how bad you feel for her when I was someone that she, for a decade, was horrible to. And... Um, you know, it was that complex, you know, those little 
bits and pieces of that abuse over over the years. And then she said it to another one of our friends. And I'm like, this would be a great conversation with a psychotherapist that specializes in narcissist abuse recovery. So what are some things that are helpful maybe to say to someone that you know is going through this or experienced this and maybe some things that don't that aren't so helpful? Okay, so um, for me, actually, like, think, let's start with the things that are not helpful. Things that are not helpful is something like, oh, get over it, or he wasn't worth it. She's not worth your time. You don't need to think, you know, like those basic things that, you know, you know, they're right, but it doesn't help you. It doesn't get you anywhere. Um, those things, I think, are are stuff that they should not say to you. But in the opposite so thinking um things that they should say to you i think is hard um to like come up with sentences i think what friends or loved ones need to understand is that all you need after narcissistic abuse is containment which just means that they sit there and sit there with your emotions sit there with your story and contain that story contain that space and just make it a safe space for you to be able to be vulnerable or show things even if you're embarrassed or you know what I mean that's kind of what help what helps me or what helps my patients just to be there for them and to understand and to dive into their world rather than dismissing their feelings dismissing their emotions dismissing their thoughts or their obsession because that's it just takes time and you just need to accept it so I don't know so if that's a good for <laughs> oh, what I would say but yes yeah. I think oh, it's a good <laughs> no and I think it's a great answer and I think to put my own you know spinner words on it it's just provide them validation mm -hmm. of what they're going through and exactly. so I think a, a lot of that is just listening exactly um yeah. and you know I so one of my dear friends one of the things that I've done is when I've listened to her in terms of what she's going through um mm -hmm. she was also one of the same friends that uh, she probably she had it worse than i did with this mutual friend that we had um but in going through some other situations what i've what she's opened up to me and said was that she feels like she, and, and this is i think a very common narcissistic abuse trait and tendency that mm -hmm. you have to earn love yes Exactly. And so I think reiterating whether whether it's a friend or a family member or a you know a loved one, reiterating to them that they are loved and that they are yes. deserving of love just the way they are. You don't have to earn it. Like I am, and this is like these kids that are in my life at dinner last night, like I get choked up. Like I get kind of embarrassed they probably are like Jenny you always cry when you're with us but I like do it because I'm like you deserve unconditional love and I always will love you unconditionally no matter what and I think that for for me and from my experience and understanding that I didn't receive unconditional love and knowing that that's not how love works love is not conditional and you deserve it you don't have to earn it Exactly. And I, one thing that I want to add to that is actually goes against my profession. But I think that overanalyzing you in your hurt can be destructive. So being like, oh, that's because you have this and this problem. That's exactly what you just said, because they should just, you know, tell you that you're okay the way you are and not that, oh, you have this issue because of your mom or you have this issue. That's probably why you do this. That uh, The overanalyzing 
just makes it worse because it makes your mind spin even more and go into the deep end rather than accepting what there is, letting the emotions come up, letting them pass, and then feeling relieved. You know, I think the only way to get out of hell is to go through it, right? And then come out on the other side. So that's what we're doing there. Yeah. Have some uh, company, I guess, when you're doing that because you have to do the work yourself anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And it, but it is nice to have people that support you that will listen and, and validate and just love you like, you know, just the way you are, because like you said, you you do deserve it. And it doesn't necessarily have to always be like this deep dive into here's all the, the problems, right? right? That's what I mean. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Now, oh, one of the, that. how do you do the no contact? <laughs> how do you, you know, what are the steps, right? <laughs> well, no contact, you know, that's not a one size fits all. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, some people be like, that's not um, within reach for me, but maybe it's less contact or you start to, I think one of the biggest things with narcissists, if you want to try to eliminate the relationship or, you know, scale back or start making you be less of a supply for them right. is to not react. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they, like they, and you're the, you're the psychotherapist. So you tell me, but it seems like one of the things that they love to do is get a reaction out of you so that they can blame your reaction as being the problem, not their actions. Absolutely. The problem is when you don't react, they are lacking supply. So they get very angry. And then what happens is either they try to, you know, they, they use all their masks, see which one works. But the first one's going to be being pushy, trying harder, all these things, and then they withdraw. And if you continuously don't react to all their different masks, then they start hoovering at the end, right? We all know that. So they, they come back and they're really sweet and they're really charming. And the problem is that when you're a victim and you're, you know, healing, one part of you is still hoping for them to reach out, is still hoping for them to make amends, still hoping for them to realize that they are a narcissist and they want to change and now they can love you, you know, still hoping that they are even able to love. And that little part, you have to really, <laughs> you know, cage it when the person is reaching out because you're going to want to react. Does that make sense? So like in that whole mm -hmm. process, you have to remind yourself why you're trying not to react because it's really, really hard. It's really hard. I was just going to say, it's really hard to not react. And so for me, one of the things that I have found, and I teach this uh, from stage, um, and it's in my newest book, I'm my favorite is box breathing. So like anytime you find yourself getting into a heightened state, a heightened sense of, uh, and, and this works universally, this isn't just for narcissist abuse victims, this, is, this can be you're at work and your colleague just was a jerk to you box breathe like 100%. it's on it, my list of self-care when you're <laughs> with your question how do you do the sealing process yes yeah. well, I, I don't mean to steal your but this is why no, we're here today because we are fantastic. so aligned right like we're so aligned on our things that we you know believe in and know you know that are proven to help people because not only does it regulate your central nervous system it decreases your blood pressure but here's yep. what i love about it it, and this is one of the things that I like to talk about from stages, when you are focused on your breathing, you are in the present. And it's if that is all you're focusing on, you can't be worried about and upset about things that just happened in the past. And you can't be anxious about things that are going to happen in the future. 
when you are focused in the right here and the right now. And it is such a powerful tool. And I love that I, you know, talk about this and that yes. you as a psychotherapist teach this to your patients from a- it's Actually, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, Inside Timer, the app? I love that app. I'm obsessed. And I'm actually with, with a friend, his name is Andy. Uh, we together are doing a breathwork meditation for toxic relationship um, abuse victims. So that's coming up in like, hopefully two, three weeks, it's going to be out on Inside Timer. So Amazing. I actually have a breathwork just for this, where you're like going through the notions. Yeah. I will share that all over my social media. I've been sharing some of your TikTok videos in my like Instagram feed and stuff so that people start to get familiar with you because everyone needs to go follow you on TikTok, mm -hmm. Instagram, all of it because your content is so good. And I'll link your website and everything as well in the show notes so people can come find you because you. yes, you are so skilled at this area of narcissism, but you do so much more than this. You do couples therapy. And I also want to reiterate, and this is maybe a, a good segue. Narcissist abuse isn't just romantic relationships. And do you know who um, Kristen Cavallari is? Mm -mm. So she's a big celebrity here. She was on like a reality show 20 years ago and she married a big football player and she's got a podcast now. And she just did a podcast about going no contact with her father um, okay. and was very open about it. I did a podcast episode about my hardest breakup, which was breaking up with my own mom. And so I think this can go back to a little bit of the things that are not helpful to say, well, it's your family. How can you do that to your family? And I family think what first. people... Yeah. yeah. And I think that what people or, you know, blood is thicker than water, right? Like all these sayings, I think what people to give a little perspective is what did that family member have to do to make you feel that you can't have them in your life any longer, that that's going to bring there's you no way out. That's going to yes. make it better that this is your only choice. It's, yeah. it's a last resort choice. Mm -hmm. It is a last resort option. People in that situation will do and try everything. But I appreciate that someone like her that has a big platform was open, you know, and is kind of normalizing that because family can look a lot of different ways. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, your blood family or your, um, what do we call that your um, family of DNA. origin? Like it doesn't have to be your DNA. Yeah. 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 So I think that's really interesting. Um, now, this one is really fun. So, and this might have been one of your first like viral um, TikToks is you're like, who do narcissists prey on? And like plot twist, it's not necessarily who you think. Right. So people think that narcissists will go for weak prey, but they are very wrong. I think narcissists go for people who are beautiful, people with status, intelligent people, compassionate people, definitely empathetic people um, with charisma and high-end education, high-end work, you know, money, everything that you can think of that's positive and that's great. Um, anything that they could use to increase their worth when they're using you for themselves. So <laughs> be careful and be on the lookout for, you know, thinking that if you're in a good place in your life, that they will not be able to catch you, you're probably wrong. That's probably where you're most vulnerable to that kind of, you know, 
yeah to narcissists because it's when when you're glowing and when you're shining and when everything is going great that's when they attack because they want to tear you down they want the challenge of ruining everything you are and using it for themselves well anything to elevate their own status right because a lot of times they project a certain lifestyle like chad projects that he does really well financially well i know his financial situation and it ain't good oh. and so and actually i had a i had a review on my book recently linda um <laughs> she was like this girl just wanted to impress us with her money and um job and whatever and it's like that's what she no. wrote about your book yeah that's what she wrote about right. my book so th this is why i think it's so important to have these conversations to give understanding and perspective no, the reason why I share, yeah, I had a very successful corporate career and now I have a successful career as a business owner, but, and yeah, I did make really good money and had a great lifestyle. I was able to travel and, you know, provide a good lifestyle for these kids and and him. And I think that's what he globbed onto, right. Was that, that perspective. And that's what I was trying to portray was that this he was intentionally seeking this to elevate his own lifestyle and i'm not going to apologize for working hard and being successful exactly linda <laughs> here's to linda here's to linda um so and, and nor should we but like i like to work hard so that i can travel to really great places because that brings me joy and enlightenment and, and bring you to me to barcelona <laughs> i know i know i was i was so sad so gem when we were talking about doing this i was just about to go to barcelona and you dr kastner you were potentially going to be in barcelona at the same yeah. time it was like such crazy. a crazy universe thing yeah and unfortunately it didn't work out but here we are now yeah. um exactly yeah so thank you for sharing that because i think that's a really misunderstood thing and you know people like people have made comments like well you, she seemed really naive i tell you what i am not naive i am an intelligent person and anybody that knows me and like i'm intelligent i'm empathetic i'm compassionate and i think empathetic people too can be taken advantage of too because you can easily get pulled into the sob stories right like they'll do the sob stories the when ex you're... who is a bipolar and all that stuff yeah 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 Classics. or i was abandoned right, I lost my mom yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and not to say that those things aren't real for people that experience them but when you are leveraging them in a false way to then take advantage of somebody else that's when it is crossing the line and makes it not okay exactly it's like you know anyone that has experienced bad things um, has the choice and the responsibility to use that for something positive or abuse others and continue to abuse others i think it's a choice we make as adults i think it's just the bottom line is they're abusers and they don't have to be they could do something else, you know, they could choose to do the right thing. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. That is, that's, I think maybe like the mic drop moment. And I, I use this saying in my keynotes that it's by a shaman and she says, change is inevitable. Yeah. Always. But transformation is a conscious choice. Exactly. And so when you go through tough times, it, it will change you, right? Like losing somebody, death, grief, it will change you but do you want to choose to transform? And I think that's really powerful. Like you just said, as adults and we're, we're grownups, like, yes, you can choose to hurt more people or you can choose to do something good. And would you put that in the category, especially after narcissist abuse of like PTG, what we mentioned earlier, post-traumatic growth? Yes. I think that, um, 
you know, people, I have actually many patients who experience post-traumatic growth and um, I'm honored to witness that when they, when they come to me and when they're so, you know, when they're glowy, more matured and stronger and just have their firm boundaries up, no matter to, whether that's to family, like you said, or to a narcissistic partner that they had um, and just choose to deal with it in a healthy, productive way, right? Choose to channel their pain into goodness so that they can be healthier for their next partner and that they choose a healthy partner as a next partner i think um you come to a point where through that post-traumatic growth you realize you will no longer put up with it or mm -hmm. at least identify red flags very quickly and run <laughs> you know within two three weeks and you're good but just not dive into it as deeply because you know exactly what you're dealing with. And I think, you know, actually I have a friend, she does hypnosis um, with Marissa Peer. She's, she's learned this and I send my clients to her sometimes to, to do hypnosis for healthy relationships. Her name is Claudia Schwinghammer. And when I send them there, she programs so that if they meet a narcissist, they can choose whether they have stomach cramps or they get nauseous or they get a headache or do whatever happens physiologically. And this literally works. So I've done this, I've done this hypnosis. And now every time I'm with a narcissist, my stomach is so off and I just get cramps and gastritis and all of these things. And I just realize just through my body this person is toxic, you know? So yeah, marketing for my friend who does this right now. She's amazing. Um, I love that. So like you subconsciously have a physical and our minds and our bodies and our emotions are so connected. So I don't think this is something that I shared with you before, but we have to pay attention to the physical signs in our body. So while I was with my ex, um, I had for the first time in 15 years an abnormal skin cancer lesion that I had to have removed. I got shingles on my face. What is shingles? Shingles is a virus. I don't know if maybe you guys don't have it there, but like if you had chicken pox, it's the same. It's the same as a chicken pox. It's a it's an it's a virus in your nerves. So no. I got it on my face and you normally wouldn't get it. It And it's very abnormal. I had a dermatologist, the dermatologist that diagnosed my shingles. She came on the podcast and she's like, it is extremely unusual. Sure. No one in their thirties should get shingles on their face unless they are under extreme duress. And then my hair all broke off and fell out. Yes. So like you have to pay attention. I love that you brought up kind of the physical signs, like pay attention. If you don't physically feel good when you are around somebody, you have an upset stomach or you get a headache or you feel nauseated. Those are like, pay attention uh, to that because your exactly. body is telling you that something's not right. Also, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I feel like when I was in those kinds of relationships, the mirror was not my friend. I could see the pain in my face, you know, even if other people don't necessarily attune to it right away, but you can see that you're not happy. You just see it in your mirror so yeah body um there's no there's like this saying you can never not talk like because your body is always talking right so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. listen yes listen yeah. to yourself listen to your body mm. So I don't think you've put anything out on social media about this but you and I had a separate conversation about it how if a therapist is not highly trained in the symptoms 
of a narcissist abuse victim when they're coming to see you, they might get misdiagnosed as something. And the way that I've kind of been, it's been described to me by other therapists, because uh, I'm like, look, I did some really stupid things. They're like, you developed unhealthy coping mechanisms exactly. because survive. of to survive. Yeah. yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like how can a narcissist abuse person maybe show up or be misdiagnosed? So um, when you think of borderline personality disorder, um, they have some characteristic traits such as um, fear of abandonment, unstable relationships. Um, they have like unclear self-image or self-harm. They show emotional mood swings. They have this constant um, void. So this like emptiness that they're constant chronic emptiness, basically uh, explosive anger and things like that. Right. So those are like the characteristics that you'll find in the, in the DSM. And when you are abused, you show some of these traits. So obviously you have explosive anger, you have emptiness, you are basically out of touch with reality. You do feel suicidal you might think about self-harm all these things that are borderline tendencies victims can display and if you have a therapist who is not schooled or you know a counselor a psychologist whoever um, they can misdiagnose it and that is super dangerous because it a is going to make the victim feel worse mm -hmm. um, feel again like they're not in their right mind re-traumatize them right and especially in couples therapy i've seen this i've seen this a few times usually um, narcissists uh, tend to avoid couples therapy but or tend to avoid therapy but they do come into couples therapy and then if a therapist is not schooled on narcissism and proper abuse uh, they will actually you know, the pathological lying, the gaslighting of the narcissist and their charisma might actually get the therapist trick too, and side with that person. I mean, obviously, we have to be, you know, we have to be neutral, but still like inside side with the person, and then re traumatize the victim, because it's going to, again, decrease their self efficacy and their self esteem, because they're not being heard, they're not being seen. And they're having that same display that they have with family and friends who are like, hey, you're overreacting. He's so nice or she's so nice because they never do it in public. You know, I don't know why you're going crazy. I don't know why you're going through his phone. I don't know why you're paranoid that he's cheating again. You know, like all these things. And if the therapist doesn't see it, it's going to be worse than if you have no therapy. So this is something really to look out for when you are healing and when you're searching for people to treat you please make sure that they are schooled in narcissistic victim abuse and that they have a speciality on that mm. or at least talk to them before, you know, how they work and if they're familiar with it, et cetera. They should be, but they are not always. So just be careful with that. And just a side note, um, couples therapy with a narcissist does not work because they will not change. Mm -hmm. So don't waste your time and money trying to go to couples therapy with a narcissist. And that's coming from a therapist that could happily take your money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so listen to her. Yeah. Um, the So when my book came out, my first book, You're My Favorite, um, the gal that Chad was dating at the time, a girl, she was very, she was like the same, like 20 years younger than him. Um, and she was like, well, we're going to couples therapy. And I'm like, but therapy uh -huh. doesn't do anything when the person is just lying. Exactly. You know, it, they're not showing up. And is that pretty easy for a therapist to see through? 
Um, that's a tricky question because what we have to work with is the reality of our patient. So if the reality of the patient is a lie that they're giving us, we have to work with that lie, even if we feel that that's a lie and that's not, you know, that's what we're working with. So we can point it out, we can mirror, we can do all sorts of uh, interventions to try to get them to cave or to give you the truth. But if they continue to lie, that's what you're working with, you know, mm. the patient, so tricky so you've okay there's so many things that you've said we could probably have like a four-hour podcast which obviously we we can't do but maybe we'll have to have you back another time no so problem. you've you've yeah. mentioned um like and i think this is a really important indicator um when you are feeling confused like if you are in a relationship with a narcissist whether it's a friendship uh you know parental family partner you know relationship if you are constantly feeling confused, they want you to live in a state of confusion. That's yes. a key indicator that something's not right. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that you said, and I don't think you said it exactly like this, so I'm going to put my Ginny words on it again, is if you begin doing things and acting outside of your normal character and your normal behavior, yes. pay attention to that. Yes, I actually, you know, the book Psychopath Free is one of my actually, it is my favorite book in this sort of spectrum of, of, of psychopathic abuse and narcissistic abuse. And he says um, that you have to think of, a, of your constant and your constant is a person who always means well, who loves you, who listens to you, whoever you think of, whether that's your, you know, auntie, whether that's your mom, whether that's your best friend, whether that's whoever it is. When you think of that person, you feel safe, you feel calm, you feel loved, right? No matter what. Mm. And you always have to compare how you're feeling. Ask yourself, would I feel like this with my constant? Would I be playing detective with my constant? Would I be asking if I'm worth loving, uh, if I'm worth being loved with my constant? You wouldn't, of course, right? So if you compare that, and there's a huge discrepancy, exactly what you said, red flag. I love that. Okay. So I'll link that book. I'll find that book and I'll link that in the show notes too. I've not read that one. So I'll pick that one up for myself too. Love it. Yeah. The other thing you talked about is the mirroring. Um, and so you, you used it and I'm not sure if you used it in the same methodology, but one of the things that like my ex did is it's like, Oh, what's your favorite candy? Oh my God. That's my favorite sour patch kids. That's my favorite candy too. We're totally getting married right? It's, it's mm -hmm. that mirroring and they start doing things. So like now he's dating this girl from Texas and apparently he says y'all <laughs> and he, yeah, but now he's a cowboy. Now he l listens to country music and bought a cowboy hat and cowboy boots that he can't afford. Um, and you know, Maybe they, they, money he can, <laughs> <laughs> but they Sorry. morph into something that they're not to mirror to make that other person feel that false sense of closeness is that the motive behind it or can you explain that more yeah that is the motive behind it motive is to feel like you are soulmates right they just mm -hmm. mirror everything you are they mirror your especially sexually speaking you know they mirror your sexual wants and needs and desires and then they're this perfect sexual match for you which makes it so hard to get away from them because sex is such a big bonding factor as well um the good thing is here that i want to um shout out to our audience is when you leave them finally you know that you haven't lost anything you've just 
have yourself back, right? So everything that they were for you, that's actually in you. Everything is in you because if you didn't have that, you couldn't see it in them. So that is your gift, right? When you break up with the narcissist, that is your gift in healing, knowing that you didn't lose anyone, you just have yourself back or slowly are going to get yourself back. And that's, I think, a beautiful thought whenever you're suffering to just know that there's nobody that left you and that you haven't lost a person that you thought you lost. I have goosebumps on my entire body. Um, that was something that took me a long time to get to that point of removing, uh, because I I had narcissists trying to dictate who I was, who I should be my entire life. And people will tell people that are close to me and that have been close to me for years and years and years say that I, and I know this now, like I'm, I've always been the same person. I've always been here, but I had to shed a false sense of armor that mm. made me seem tough. And yes. so now I can be the real Ginny vulnerable and authentic and real and warm, but people used to describe me as cold like ice cold, arrogant, arrogant yes. cold. yeah, yes. aloof. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I had to like, it was a it was a defense mechanism. And but now I don't need that external validation. Like I was here all along, and I get to be me. And it's one of the most freeing things. So thank you for saying that. I think that's going to be something that really resonates with people. Yeah. And in addition, I think I've been on this whole big soapbox lately of like dating yourself, like, you know, I just went to Barcelona and it was the first trip I ever took on my own, like a first solo oh. vacation. Like I've traveled all the time for work and stuff, but a vacation all on my own. And I think there's this really big concept, like, especially as women, we can tend to either put all of our focus on our jobs as being a partner or a wife or a mom, or if you don't have those things, if you're single like me, maybe it's your title at work, but then you retire or your kids move out of the house. And so many people have lost a sense of themselves. And I'm like, we could spend so much less time finding ourselves if we never lost ourselves to begin with. Mm, that's beautiful. And we have to stay connected to ourselves by doing the things like staying in touch with ourselves, doing the things that we love that bring us joy and, and happiness and, you know, spending time with ourselves so that we can have that self-discovery or maybe never lose that discovery and, and have that self-love. I and think, I just, I had two thoughts. First thought is, um, just when you when you do fall in love though you kind of fall away from yourself right fall into the other person so it's always tricky because we all you know earn for that we want that feeling of fusioning with that person that we fall in love with and being one person and then being away from ourselves but when that's you know we have to watch out for the red flags whether that's something healthy or something unhealthy that we're diving into because it's okay to lose yourself for a little bit and then gain yourself right back, but it's not okay to really lose yourself like you do with a narcissist. Yeah. Maybe the difference is like we might lose ourselves a little bit along the way, but never abandon, abandon. ourselves. Yeah, that actually, um, yeah, we should look at the steps for the healing process. What we have to look at because when afterwards, like how to really heal, how to date yourself again, right? It's really mm -hmm. important. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. That was beautiful. I thank you for sharing that. I mean, and I think that maybe that is the ultimate goal, right? Like that was the, one of the questions I was going to ask you. Like for me, it was peace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was lo- self-love, self-discovery, you know, like I, I love to tell people like, yeah, my book, my story, the first one was real juicy. Um, and you know, it's entertaining and and people, you know, but, but that was my life. And what I like to say is my after story is a way better one. And that's yeah. what I love being able to share now and help encourage other people and give them that validation that you can actually you know, I know resilience is a really popular word out there there right now, and I might have an unpopular opinion about it. I'm anti-resilience. <laughs> resilience is great, but we're all naturally designed and wired to be resilient and to bounce back. But I love your concept of you can choose post-traumatic growth. You can choose to do something good and even better through the difficult... Pain, yeah. yeah, through the pain and through the difficult circumstances that we go through. Um, and I think when you said peace, I think that is the ultimate goal is peace, because after all the war inside you um, and war with them, you need peace because you feel like you're on a shattered you know, in a war zone, like everything is shattered and you need to put the pieces back together. Um, but also letting go of the illusion like that, you know, you thought they were. And like I said before, like knowing that they were never really there, it was just all you. So that's, that just kind of goes together hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. Like for me, and and I know a lot of people, they do beat themselves up really hard when they go through something like this. For me, for whatever reason, I knew immediately, I was like, this is a him problem. It's not a me problem. So I think that that helped. I was able to kind of see it clear, like clarity and perspective can give you a lot of insight as well um, as you move towards that piece. Now, we've talked about, you talked about couples therapy. You do so many different types of therapy. And I know we have some horse lovers here Mm -hmm. and I had never heard of this. And so I'm really curious about how you use equine therapy in your practice as well. So yes, I use equine therapy. I have my horse around like 15 minutes away from my practice. And um, some people come just for horse lessons, but they have to come in once to sort of you know, talk about the issue at hand and and sign some waivers, et cetera, et cetera. But then um, we go to the horse and what the special advantages for, I would say like CPTSD patients is um, horses are the best teacher to reteach you to trust yourself. Because if there is not mutual trust between the horse and the, and the client, um, the exercises don't work. You can't build on that yeah so that's that's one thing they teach you and another that people really need after this kind of relationship and break up and another thing they teach you is safety and you don't need to talk to horses which helps some people because they don't even have the words for their pain you just you just are and they feel you they can even hear your heartbeat which is so cool. I love that about them. Did you know that? I did not know that. Did you see the look on my face? I was yeah. like, what? So the way that works is like the main mare in, in a herd, um, they, her heartbeat is heard from all the other horses. And when she feels like there's something that's dangerous, because obviously they are prey, 
and not predators, she her heart rate increases, and then all the other horses know that there's danger. So they they actually, when your heartbeat is higher, their heartbeat goes up. So they make it, you know, go together, and then they realize that there's danger, and then they run. And so that's some mechanism that they have. So they can downregulate their heartbeat or upregulate their heartbeat depending on how yours is, which is really nice. Yeah, that is incredible. And I mean, and that goes back to sort of what we were talking about earlier and how you can do that for yourself with box breathing. But the fact that you can have that connection with another creature, I mean, and horses are so beautiful, like, they're such gorgeous creatures. So I know for our horse lovers, like, that's a really cool, that's a really cool concept. Is is that true? Experience? Yeah. I would love that. And there's fantastic, like fantastic things you can do with horses that I love. Uh, For example, setting up a dilemma, like when you have a dilemma, like in this case, should I stay or should I go? Right. Set that up with the horses and the horse will mirror your energy on that spot. For example, if you say, okay, this is the spot where you're leaving him or her um, and then see how the horse reacts. And I've had breakthrough moments with horse therapy um with dilemmas where like the horse would run away from that spot and go crazy or would chill and eat on this but it was just really incredible how they show you what you were scared to show the therapist you know yes i think sometimes i was actually having a conversation with a girlfriend yesterday who is she's got a couple different job offers on the table and I kept trying to get her back to, cause she kept on going through everything like in her head, like here's right. all these things and here's all these things. And I'm like, how does that make you feel? Right? Like I kept trying to get her back to that. I'm like, you know, the answer already in your heart and yeah. your gut. Like, yeah. And so it's, but horses can help you kind of get to that intuitive decision and help you trust yourself. That's what I I'm hearing you say exactly and then sometimes if if clients want to um we film it and then they can see their reactions afterwards which things that they haven't noticed in the sessions it's it's just really helpful it's it's wonderful i'm i'm always amazed at the horses because i learn something every time i go there it's really incredible now i know that we're both also dog lovers you've Mm -hmm. got your gorgeous what's your dog's name again amari Amari. and i've got francine and can do dogs have any of the that same type of ability because like i say that francine and i saved each other like i got her just weeks after my life imploded she was not available to purchase like it was a whole thing about how everything just magically aligned even though even like against all odds and i'm like i really think that we saved each other oh it's so cute no of course dogs all animals can feel humans and react and mean well you know that's a definite but i think the horses have a special sense that dogs don't have because they're they're even more sensitive you know so they're just yeah dogs are predators so they're they're more you know okay okay, francine is so fierce (laughs) my dog is not a predator (laughs) (laughs) definitely not but i mean anyone that's met her knows oh my gosh that's so funny okay so let's kind of um wrap up with a little fun thing here so i one of your 
again, like you have so many viral uh, TikToks out there now, but one of them that I love is you're like, how to spot a narcissist on a first date. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is really fun. Like, can you give us one or two ways that you can spot a narcissist as a, like a romantic potential in a friend and a family member, maybe at work? Like, what are some, like, Boom, red suns. Boom, giveaways. Okay, so okay, so let's let's go through the list here. So we've got the romantic partner. Um, I would say love bombing, love bombing, love bombing, love bombing. <laughs> I'm not gonna repeat it again, but when they do when they suggest vacation plans right away, when they do the whole soulmate talk. When they tell you, like he told you, oh, really, I love the same candy, you know, the, the mirroring and all of that. So that's basically um, things to look out for with them. But but when they're just just un ir irrationally amazed and through the like, you know, just full blown love bombing. I think that's the most important mm -hmm. one with yeah. romantic um, like I've never felt this way before exactly. um, about you are anybody. The most beautiful yeah. thing in the world. You know, I thought the sun was the hottest thing in the world, but actually, it's you. Obviously, <laughs> heard that one before. I was just gonna say, I feel like someone's used that one on you before. <laughs> exactly. Um, or what else? I mean, and have? you are, and that's the hard thing. Is like when you like you are so stunningly gorgeous, and you are brilliant, so and so. But like, especially when you are someone that is successful and you are smart and you are pretty, when someone is giving you that um... validation, because usually people don't because they're like, oh, she knows it anyways, or he knows it anyways. And they don't want to give you compliments for things you already know. Right. Quote, unquote. And that's, and that's what, what makes it confusing. Yeah. yeah. That's why that's why the pretty girl never gets talked to in a club. <laughs> we know that rule right oh my gosh yeah there because it's too um intimidating is yeah. that yeah, yeah is that the word um oh my gosh something else that you said so like the the love bombing the love bombing the love bombing vacation plans vacation plans yes oh, he, like oh my god he did that yep he did that second date was like oh my gosh i have this trip coming up in six months i'm like yeah, i just yeah. met you bro yeah, um but... we did end up going on that trip which was interesting um marriage talk right away oh, so yeah talk, you know yep. so yep. like feed into your dreams if that's what you want which you know yeah uh, what about so this is something yeah. that I talk about often because you talked about physical indicators and signs right when you get the feeling of butterflies in your stomach, I think a lot of times people think, ooh, that's a good thing, right? Like, because it's been romanticized and like, ooh, it should feel fluttery oh, but mm -hmm. to me. And I had that with Chad. I actually think that was my body warning me going, this is not good. Something, Something's not right. Yes. So I have a lot of comments on my TikTok going, this is ridiculous. You know, if you fall in love, that's exactly what it feels like. And that's what it must feel like. And to an extent, I agree, of course, falling in love with a healthy individual as well feels exciting and can feel, you know, amazing. And you can have butterflies. I don't think it's a knockout criteria. But I think when you have like, hardcore butterflies, or when it's when it just feels off in your stomach, when it's just too much anxiety, and you feel like, you know, um, you cannot 
think of anything else except this person you're completely obsessed you're you can't eat you can't sleep you can't you know all and you're all you're doing is waiting by the phone waiting by the phone and it's not a beautiful feeling like when you're in love and you're talking all night and you don't need to sleep because you're excited and you're having sex all night or whatever that's that's normal but there's just a point where it gets too much and you get too hooked on their validation on their texts on their contact that's when you start and you feel off when they're not doing their usual thing you know that's how you know that it's dangerous and that it's red flags I think that's a really good perspective. It's almost like there's healthy in the middle and then there's the unhealthy extremes, mm, right? Yes. So thank you. That was a really, a really helpful explanation. Okay. Sorry. I keep asking yeah, so many questions because oh, you okay. say, oh, no, because no, you say so many good things. Okay. I'll shut so up family now. Members, family members. So I'm thinking about like whatever moms um, triangulating you with your siblings, playing you out against each other, criticizing you, belittling you, demeaning you, um, constant, like pretending to admire you but then like by for example buying the same thing that you have copying your hobbies so friends do that and I feel mothers do that a lot with their daughters it's almost the envy of their young beauty or something you know that yeah you're bouncing your head going yeah I know that one yeah yeah yep. check. jealousy being um, jealous of your children that's... like that is a key indicator <laughs> red red flag like you should not be jealous of your children Exactly. You should want that for them. And, um, you know, no respect for your boundaries, I think is a huge one as well. You know, they're just zero. And when they feel like they want to ignore you, they ignore you. And when you, but, but when they have something going on, you need to celebrate them because if you don't, what kind of, you know, daughter, sibling are you, you know, that kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. So it's totally hypocritical to the extreme. Yep. So yeah. I'll, can, can I chime in for a second? Like t just speaking of family members, oh, again, we could talk for days. Um, I think for me, uh, from a sibling perspective, I had a sibling have, uh, <laughs> I try to be broke mindful. Up yeah. I broke up with him. I broke up with yeah. him. Yeah. Yep. Um, he would always try to control what I would do right so they have a certain idea of what you should do what house you should buy and then if you don't buy the house that they think you should so for example I bought a house that I didn't involve him in the process at how all dare you, Ginny? how dare you oh was he upset so when I invited him over to come tour it he said this would make a nice rental property someday so it's yeah, like the shoot down, of course, right? Because yeah. he has to make you feel small because you just did something he couldn't or he didn't or he mm -hmm. wasn't, you know. Um, exactly. It's a classic. Yeah. Classic. Okay. Yeah. So I have so, a I have a good one too when um I um got accepted into Harvard. One of my family members was going, please, Harvard, Bush went to Harvard. That's not an accomplishment. And um, I didn't go because that actually got to me. Can you believe it? So yeah, that's some, that's the probably the only regret, regret I have in my life. Oh my gosh, yeah, it really that's, got to me. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. I, you know, it's so interesting because you're like I said, you're you're brilliant, you're gorgeous. Like I'm so excited for people to hear what you have to say because you just you're a breath of fresh air. You're and, making me blush, please. Stop. Oh my gosh, no! Like you're amazing, and it's <laughs> and it's it's fascinating to hear like that someone like you 
can also be susceptible to, you know, this type of abuse as well. And I had a similar thing happen. Um, I ended up putting my first book on the shelf for about a year and a half because this so-called friend was like aggressively naysaying the idea of me writing a book. And then the next day after my book released, after my book release party, she said, she, she told people that she read my book in less than three hours, which it's my own book and I can't read it in less than five. So like trying to demean and be like, oh, it's, you know, super quick and easy. And oh, by the way, my story and my situation in my life is way worse than this. Yeah. Um, so also, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when they tell you like something like, oh, this book is, for example, when she told you the book is so bad, uh, don't don't release it. And then you do release it often they'll take the exact other side. You know, they'll be like, oh, I always told you you should do this, you know, and uh, you're like, what you told me not to do it but it's like the next day or two weeks later they just change their minds that's what narcissists do to be the supportive hero yes and then you feel like am i have i gone crazy did i remember it the wrong way did they really say it you start asking yourself questioning yourself yeah yeah so going over to friends um um quick tips to what do they do so they obviously put you down in front of the opposite sex or the same sex depending on who you like right like so if you are into boys they will put you down in front of boys if you're into girls they'll put you down in front of girls to make you look stupid to point out your faults um criticizing you constantly uh at the same time copying you um while they're devaluing you in front of others right that's something you probably know and belittling you um manipulating and you know all the things that those are yeah red flags for friends and um what else do we got cool well so another thing that i've noticed with um this particular narcissistic friend that is no longer in my life is constantly the, a little bit of the triangulation, right? Like, oh, I want yeah. you to be friends yeah. with this person, but then they speak terribly about them. And so like right. the trash talking. And yeah. then in addition, trash talking all of your other friends to try to get you to maybe not like them, right? To a little bit. Yeah. The isolation, the like trying to get you to minimize your your circle. And while they're trying to steal them. That, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's quite, yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Mm. and um what else do we have left the colleague or boss or mm-hmm. work situation a huge one there's um ignoring boundaries because they just go right over them and i think not taking the blame for anything always blaming you i mean that's with every narcissist but especially in, in a work situation this can be really difficult if you have a boss who messes things up and then never takes responsibility for it and always blames you um while probably at the same time trying to control you and then doing really vindictive things behind your back and talking and you know tri- you know triangulating or trash talking you or putting you down or telling people it's your fault those things are really really classic signs of um, narcissistic abuse at work what about taking credit for your work oh yeah like it, it's like i think those are kind of in the same vein right like if you do the work and then like maybe you do a pitch for something and it didn't go great well then it's your fault but if it goes great then they take credit yeah exactly 100 interesting 
Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Those are good. Like those are helpful, just like quick, you know, little indicators and things. And it doesn't mean like if someone takes credit at work, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a narcissist, right? Like, oh, but they have narcissistic tendencies, maybe, right? But we anyways, we have to make sure that people know narcissistic personality disorder is only in about 7% of male population and 5% of women population. But there, I also have a TikTok about this, but there's dark numbers because they don't get diagnosed, A, mm -hmm. huge. And B, um, there is the spectrum, right? So there's people yeah. with a lot of narcissistic tendencies who are not diagnosed. So we have to, and then there's just plain assholes. We have to differentiate. <laughs> this is maybe I not love professional it. to say, but it's true. Um, it's real, right? And yeah. I love yeah. just being real, keeping it real here. Yeah, I think that that's a really good perspective. Like not if, if someone has narcissistic personality so or tendencies, it doesn't necessarily mean they have narcissistic personality disorder. And when I just shared in my stories, one of your recent TikToks, and you're like, are you tired of hearing the word narcissist mm -hmm. already? Like, because a lot of people are, because it gets misused. And that's why I'm so passionate about bringing you on experts that can come on and really explain, really describe and really validate for victims. I think this is critically important because if you truly have been a victim of narcissist abuse or are in a narcissistic relationship, we hear you, we see you. And that is why this conversation is so important. It's not to flippantly throw around words like triangulation oh. and gaslighting and cognitive diffusion, or I'm sorry, cognitive dissonance and, uh, and narcissism. That, yeah. This is important content and important conversation. And you are hearing it from an expert, Dr. Alina Kastner, um, to explain this Ooh, here today. <laughs> What's that? Two experts. We've we've done the field studies, right? <laughs> yeah, I would say I am an accidental experiential expert. That's what I like to call myself. Um, so yeah, I am so grateful for you to take the time to spend with us here today. Is there any final thoughts that you want to leave us with? Um, yes, off record, Ginny, you forgot the question about um, how uh, do you heal the healing process? I think it's a huge, huge one, right? It's the most Let's important. Let's go. <laughs> so let's just edit done you start again go ahead we don't need to edit that i'm totally like, fine <laughs> hey I, you're right i forgot steps can let's... people take in their recovery i think that's so important because i feel like getting out is something people manage but then i think statistically um if you you go back like seven or eight times before you actually leave that's one right and then once you actually left what the hell do you do then, right? So that's that. That's a huge question that I always get, because um, people are like, oh, well, your advice is great. You say run, and then what? You know, and I'm like, oh yeah, I have to make a video about that. But let's, um, you know, take that information and share it here, because um, I just that's just something that's on my heart. So I think first rule: no contact. Right? We've we've accomplished this, and I don't mean just no text messages, no calls, but I also mean do not cyber stalk your ex huge social media don't do it i know it's so hard it's so hard but just don't do it it's just going to cause you more pain and inflict more pain more pain more pain so that's one thing um and then the second thing is which you already um touched upon is self-care so i know it's like also cliche like you have to love yourself i know that it's you know people are getting old of hearing it and i know you don't want to hear that when you're suffering but self-care is huge it's the only thing that's going to give you stability and it's going to give you routine right so going from meditating i love inside timer so i'm going to make a huge shout out for inside timer and hopefully our breathwork meditation soon um 
while if you can because in the beginning you can't but if you can get some exercise go outside get some fresh air get some sun rays on your face right that's really important um taking vitamin b if you have to because you were mentioning nerves i think that's a vitamin d complex sometimes helps or just your nervous system if you have to take antidepressants don't be ashamed to you know take antidepressants for two three weeks to get out of a huge hole right you don't have to take them for life it's just a crisis that you're in and you have to be aware that you are in a crisis and you have to be honest with yourself and if you are in bed looking at the walls crying not eating, not sleeping, not, you know, going crazy and feeling suicidal, please get some help. Like real help. Okay. It's really important for me as well. Try to avoid the mirrors, like I said. And if you can be hygienic, you know, if you can shower, take a shower, brush your teeth, wash your hair. If you can put on some makeup, do something that you feel human again in this like really difficult phase. Um, that's one thing. And then the reflection part, which is also really important. I was going to mention the box breathing. Actually, I wanted mm -hmm. to ask which number is your number? Do you do three, 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 four, 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 four? What do four. you do? Four. Yeah. yeah. It's a good number. It's my favorite too. Cause there's like all sorts, right? So four, 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 for people that don't know what that is, it's you breathe in for four, hold it for four, breathe out for four, hold it for four counts and repeat. So like you mentioned, it calms down your nervous system and um yeah we're gonna release the breath work what also really helped me um that i just found i mean i journal and i think a lot of us journal and it's very helpful but what was really cool and it was a breakthrough for me was flow writing so like you set a timer for 10 minutes 20 minutes and just write 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 and if you don't know what you need to write you just i don't know what i'm writing i don't know what i'm writing and then you just continue and you dive so deep and it's very meditative as well like it just really helps release anxiety um so yeah um and i also want to share a quote with you guys that i've read from jackie wunderlin um she said that if you really want closure at some point you just have to shut the door and that really hit me like hard because we always feel with narcissists we're never going to get answers it's a book that's left unclosed that's left unwritten we're always wondering we want to contact them for answers that they will never give us don't do any of that just shut your own door or um what i also like to do is um if you visual visualize something that connects you and your abuser you know, like a bond, like a, mm -hmm. you know, a rope or something in between you that's holding you together because you're tied to them. If you visualize cutting it off with huge scissors or something or like a garden scissors, you know, like um, that you just visualize stopping that connection and detaching from your abuser. I think that really helps me as well. And then obviously, if you can avoid self-sabotage, drinking, drugs, and very important for me also using other people as a band-aid for your pain because that is going to make other people suffer again it's gonna domino and if you can avoid that please do if you need comfort and if you need love and if you need sex maybe go back to someone that you know that knows your situation that can help you with that those feelings and that can hold you or have sex with you or whatever but or be very open and honest about it when you date but don't go on tinder and ruin the next person's life and hurt the next person for your pain you know mm -hmm. that's just something i want to say because uh, yeah and then of course last but not least 
if you keep educating yourself with podcasts like you um with um you know tiktoks with books self-help books everything that helps you do that because it it just shows you that a you're not alone in this world with this pain and b that there's so many other people that are going through the same thing and shared pain is less pain um and it also helps you understand because sometimes we don't and it just you know yeah, yeah. and that knowledge is power knowledge is power yeah. <laughs> let's end on that perfect <laughs> so important for me to say these things <laughs> thank you so much those were beautiful practical helpful tips and i concur with all of them very 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 helpful thank you so much for being here with us today and for all of your insight and compassion and empathy and wonderful information i'm so grateful thank you thank you for having me i really appreciate it well, there were definitely some goosebump moments in that conversation for me, and I hope that you also got a lot out of that conversation, her expertise, her experience. Dr. Alina Kastner was just wonderful. I am going to link all of her information. I'll put her um, website, some of the resources that she suggested, uh, her playlist, the book that she recommended, as well as her social media links, because you are definitely going to want to go give her a follow on TikTok and Instagram and all of her different areas, because she's got some really great content for you to follow along with and content that just continues to give validation and support. Like I said, it's in a compassionate and understanding way. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation today. And Gem, until next time, shine bright and let's get growing.